Okay, welcome to episode number two of the Hidden Voices podcast. Um, today, I have my friend Gina here with me. Um, thank you, Gina, for your time and for being on the podcast today. Um, yeah, if you just want to open up and tell me, um, first and foremost, a little bit of where you come from, your family of origin, um, just a little bit of your story and like where you, how you got to where you are today, age ethnicity, family, like where you're from. Yeah, just anything you want to share. Okay, so I originally started off with a big family with, I'm the third of five. Okay. Um, and my story starts off like in humble beginnings to like in regard to my testimony, which will make sense later with the other questions. Um, so whenever I was a child, I came from a home of abuse mm-hmm. and it just kind of spiraled down. My father took my mom and my grandmother's life and I was only seven years old. Wow. And right after that, my um, self and my five other siblings, we moved in with my grandfather in Queens Village, New York. And we lived there with him for two years, and it was um, a blessing. But at the same time, I was only seven, so I was still processing everything that took place Mm -hmm. and why my mom wasn't showing up in my life and why my father wasn't at home with us at my grandfather's house. Mm -hmm. Eventually clicked with me around eight years old, and from there, um, I, I had a hard time processing that and it I started to become suicidal it was just a Mm -hmm. very bad place to be in but thankfully soon after that my um well not thankfully but my grandfather he found out he had lung cancer and he was gonna die soon so he couldn't take care of us anymore so after that we moved in he reached out to family members nobody could take five kids so he reached out to my mom's best friend her and her husband and the two of them to decided to adopt all five of us from the verse in the Bible, James one twenty seven, which mm-hmm. says true religion is to care for orphans and widows in distress. Mm-hmm. So just like that, overnight, um, they we moved in with them. And in that season, I later accepted Jesus Christ as Lord over my life just mm-hmm. because um, I was able to see that my new parents they they carried that hope that I was so desperately seeking and I wanted what they had. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and at that point in my life, I was 10 years old. In regards to education, just because I had so much things going on, you're a counseling major, so you're aware mm-hmm. of mass laws, yeah. um, hierarchy of needs. Those yeah. needs were, like our food needs, our shelter needs were met, but our family dynamic at the time was not met. Right. So our education was not very great. And it mm-hmm. wasn't until that we got adopted, um, our family really got us to where we needed to be. Fast forward to today, I am 25 years old. I am an African-American woman. Mm-hmm. My um, cultural descent is from the Haitian Haiti, okay. my family's Haitian, and I can't remember the other thing you asked. No, oh, that's okay. Yeah. That's perfect. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Well, <laughs> that's a lot. Thank you so much for sharing that. And um, wow, like I'm so glad that you're like still here and um, that your family like is able to still like be together. Or like all of your siblings still, you guys are all together. 
Um, right now, everybody's kind of moved out. Okay. Um, doing their own thing. Right. But now I have my... I'm still with my family, like our adopted family and things yeah. like that. But okay. we have more kids that I help out with. But we still meet. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's really beautiful. Adoption is like a big part of my family as well. Really? Um, my mom is adopted and she's one of six kids and four of those six were adopted and then like I have two siblings that are adopted and my dad um his two siblings are adopted and so that's like just a huge part of like my story as well so I didn't know that about you and I love that so thank you for sharing that um yeah so you said you are an African-American woman um so I just I'm gonna ask you like what does being black mean to you so Whenever, like I shared in my story, um, whenever I lived in Atlanta with my mm-hmm. my birth family, um, I guess at that time I didn't really see color, but at the same time, like I was proud of who I am and my culture, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And like I remember whenever different family members would visit us from Haiti. And I just be like, wow, this is amazing. This is my family. This is my heritage. Yeah. This is who I am. Yeah. And then whenever I moved into New York, a lot of a lot of people from Haiti live there too. Okay. So like my Haitian family would come and visit us, and I mm-hmm. just be like, yes, this is my family, mm-hmm. um, and things like that. Now, whenever I got an adopted, got adopted, I'm so thankful for my parents, but my parents are not African American. Mm-hmm. Um, so it took us time to, it wasn't so much that the culture that they set up made us not, you know, feel welcomed or anything like that. It was more so that we came from uh, the city life. So mm-hmm. there was lots of culture diversity and things like that. So we were used to different people and different people taking in, like, the pride of where they come from, if that makes sense. Right, yeah. Um, but whenever we moved to the South, it was just a huge awakening for us because there wasn't as much diversity. Yeah. And there were, like, times whenever, like, I'd be the only black person, like, in the class. Mm-hmm. Or there might be another person, if that makes sense. Right. So from that time, it took time for me to figure out what that meant. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, because at first I was proud, and then whenever I came to the South, it took a moment for my self to adjust because I was just like, "Well, there's not many people here that look like me, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so trying to process that is that something okay is it not is it not okay? you know, and then you have like the crowds as you get older and you know, you start to see, okay, these group of people, they're mm-hmm. popular. And as us girls, right. like we, we want to be in that, in that crowd. We want to, you know, be popular with them. We mm-hmm. want to be cool. Um, so then that starts to like develop insecurity. And for mm-hmm. me, it was um, the color of my skin and like the clothing that I wore and things okay. like that, if that makes sense. Um, it wasn't until God showed me like my identity in Christ Mm -hmm. that I was truly able to, you know, identify, okay, like this is a part of who I am and it's okay, Mm -hmm. you know, and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And accept my culture and things like that, if that makes sense. I'm not sure if I'm exactly answering the question, but at first I, at first I saw it as a good thing, but it was mainly just for my culture Mm -hmm. and my color of my skin 
Then it went from not seeing it as a good thing yeah. because I wanted to be like everybody around me. Right. And then it became, okay, God is part of who I am mm-hmm. and that's what matters. And yeah. I mean, God made us this way. I mean, I was just reading in my Bible this morning in Romans how it talks about how you can't look at your creator and tell him, you know, why'd you make me this way? Mm-hmm. Like, I am proud for the way that God has made me. Yeah. And he made us this way for a purpose, you know, yeah. yeah, and things like that. So, but I don't think it necessarily lays so much with like, I don't know. I think sometimes people get so focused on the color of the skin, if that makes sense. It's it's valuable mm-hmm. because we're aware of what's going on. Like there's not as many people that, you know, look like us or there's not as many people that understand this and understand that. But I think it's so much so of like whenever we grow in our relationship with God and we allow him to show us those things, mm-hmm. I think we should we should take ownership of that and take mm-hmm. ownership of the identity that he has given us yeah but not like i don't know sometimes people like they neglect things too does yeah. that make sense yeah, so i'm absolutely. not saying like neglect like your beauty mm-hmm. and your nationality and your like ethnicity i'm saying like take ownership of who god has created you to be right. you know right. and and with that comes your ethnicity and with that comes like your culture, your family culture right. and whatever that looks like. But also it comes with like we're carriers of God's kingdom so we right. can live that out in love. Right. So, yeah. right. Yeah, no, that makes so much <laughs> sense of like it's I mean, yes, like um, our ethnicity and our culture does play a huge part in like who we are and how we relate to others and how we think about ourselves and others but it's also like as Christians and as children of God that is like our a part of our identity as well and so you have to take both into account and like be careful to not let one outweigh the other so yeah that makes a lot of sense um was ethnicity something that like you talked about growing up like in your family was that something that was like openly discussed or was is this kind of like a new conversation for you? So I would say at it it wasn't really like a huge conversation that we had okay. just because I don't know. Like whenever we lived in the city, it wasn't something that you know, people were very aware of at the time. Mm -hmm. Now it is something that, you know, people are trying to, you know, bring people, bring awareness to and things like that. But during my time, it wasn't really something that, like, we really spoke about, if that makes sense. It was just kind of like, oh, okay, I respect this culture. This is really cool. You know, things like that. But it wasn't so much... Things like that. And then, like, in friends groups, like, whenever I was in school, like, there was definitely conversations about ethnicity just because there were times whenever we would feel left out or, you know, there just wasn't enough people of the same ethnicity in the school system or, 
um, things like that. Like I, I remember, and this is probably going to run into one of your other questions, but I remember in class, um, in one of my econ classes that I had in high school, um, I had a class with a freshman boy, Mm -hmm. um, and in that class there were there was only two different ethnicity group me i was african american mm-hmm. and then this boy and he's hispanic and so and everybody else they were white right and i mean i just remember we we sat together and those those boys would look at our table and they would make fun. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that for for specifically for that boy, like they were they were calling him wet back and things like that, mm-hmm. just saying horrible things. And the teacher didn't say one thing at all. And it just broke my heart. Yeah. And I remember going home and telling my mom the stories of what was taking place in that class and my mom was like, that's not right. And eventually she just had it and she called the school and the teacher started standing up and telling them to stop speaking that way and things like that. But yeah, what was the question again? I'm sorry. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, we did. We did. I remember now. So anyways, it was like situations like that, that would like bring up different things, but it was also like my, my, my dad and my mom, they were very helpful and just kind of bringing the conversation full circle because right. it was just hard to see how to love people that treated people that way yeah. or um, separated people that way. Yeah. And I, I even remember like praying and just talking to God on my way to Charleston because, I mean, Charleston has a lot of history mm-hmm. um, there, too. And the Lord helped me see things as well. But whenever we align like our identity in Christ with the way that we live mm-hmm. and we truly start to live it out, then we understand that whenever situations like that come, we need to respond in love. Right. Um, so that that's that's kind of like what our conversations were in right. home was like, how do we live this out as believers in Christ? Right. What does this look like in my spiritual walk whenever I'm spending time with God and how can I help others see that because i mean racism is sin you know yeah um but so is sleeping around like it's Mm -hmm. sin is sin is sin but we have to we have to do all things in love and even whenever it comes down to our enemies Mm -hmm. and people that persecute us for the smallest of things yeah yeah okay um yeah that Definitely did run into the next question I was going to ask, which was, um, or kind of two of them, just like, when was the first time that you were aware of your ethnicity and some of the differences that you bring into a space, and then a time that you navigated difficult dynamics around race and what that was like? Um, So yeah, do you have like any other specific stories that come to mind, or if not? um... I do. Okay. Um, so another thing too, that we had to kind of walk through as a family is because our family does have so much diversity. Mm -hmm. Um, well, mainly it's just my parents and they're white and then my siblings and we're all black. And so Mm -hmm. it was, I think what really 
made me start to be aware was like my dad, he would drop me off to school and I was only in elementary school at the time. And um, one of the boys that I was friends with in class, he was just like, who's that old white man? And, you know, saying comments like that. Mm -hmm. And I remember like my older sister, like it didn't really click with her until like one day, um, like she would just receive comments like that as well. So then she would have my dad like drop her off further down in the car ride, Mm -hmm. um, car line ride. So no one would see anything or say anything because they don't realize that whenever they're making comments like this, that they're, they're talking about like our family, like my dad, my mom. Yeah. Um, so it was, it was very, very interesting. Um, but it didn't end there. Like whenever we'd go on vacations and things like that, and I would be hugging my mom or all of us would just be hugging on my dad or we'd be playing in the swimming pool. Like people would just be outsiders and they'd just be staring. Right. And so then it would make us feel uncomfortable and we'd be like, what, what's going on, you know, and things like that. So it really like took time for us to process that, but also it kind of hurt in the same way. Right. Um, and then I know in the very beginning, there were parts of our family that weren't as receiving um, because they weren't raised in an environment where that was okay, mm-hmm. you know, um, but and that was that was very, very hard because it was just like, okay, this is my new family mm-hmm. and you're supposed to be receptive of me, but you're you're not. Right. And I just remember, you know, praying and praying, God, why won't so and so talk to me? Why won't so and so why does she always give me the cold shoulder? Why doesn't she give me gifts compared to the other grandchildren mm-hmm. or the other um relatives of the family and things like that um so it was just a very huge um culture shift type thing but I just remember in the middle of talking with my mom and my dad um how they just they pointed us to Jesus you know I don't understand why they're doing this and I don't even think it was so much that conversation Because I remember being so close to the Holy Spirit before I even knew who the Holy Spirit was Mm -hmm. as I was going through that journey. Mm -hmm. Like, I I would just be, like, I would just talk to him and the Holy Spirit would be like, well, Gina, you just have to show love. You're responsible Mm -hmm. for that. And I remember my younger sister, she, she felt the same way as well. But we just responded in love together mm-hmm. all the time, over and over and over again. Whenever we would see that that family member, we'd just be like, okay. And we didn't even, like, talk about it. We just knew because the Holy Spirit, I guess, confronted us. But also the way that our parents kind of raised us up. Right. Um, just turning to God's word every time. It was mm-hmm. a habit. We would just yeah. turn to God's word whenever anything happened that we didn't necessarily agree with. So... Whenever that happened, like, there were times whenever it was hard because we'd be like, oh, okay, we're visiting this person and, you know, I I should probably just not say anything and just mm-hmm. go sit over here and hang out on my phone or do schoolwork on my computer, whatever, you know. But we, we kept striving mm-hmm. and we kept showing love. And there were times whenever we would show love more than the other children and the family and 
finally, I don't know if the Holy Spirit convicted that person or whatever Mm -hmm. it was, but that person completely turned one 360. Mm -hmm. And I mean, she was responding to us in a Mm -hmm. loving manner and finally like accepted us. So it's truly like, and especially if that person professes to be a Christian, if we just keep loving, then eventually that hatred and that bitterness will, you know, Mm -hmm. melt away and the Holy Spirit will convict them. Um, because you know, our God is a God of restoration. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's so beautiful. I love that. Um, I guess you touched on this, but, um, how have you navigated pain specifically in this context? Like you mentioned, like always going to God in prayer and relying on the Holy Spirit to like help you to continue to love well. Um, but is there any other way that you like navigated situations that were hurtful um, what did that look like for you? I I really, during that season, because I, I really remember that the Lord was working, healing me mm-hmm. from the trauma that I experienced as a child. Yeah. So it was a gradual process. Um, so during that season, I wasn't, like, the only person I remember being super open with was... Um, was the Holy Spirit, was with Jesus. And of mm-hmm. course, my parents, mm-hmm. back and forth, sometimes I pick my mom, sometimes I pick my dad. But mainly it was the Holy Spirit during that season mm-hmm. um, because at the time I was not as social as I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like I took took great pride in the fact that I could just talk to him and I didn't have to speak out loud for him to hear me, mm-hmm. you know? So, and I, I just, I would just talk and talk and talk and talk and talk and just spill my heart out to him, mm-hmm. you know, telling him, okay, this, this doesn't work. I don't understand this. Like, you know, and I just remember time and time again, whenever conflict would arise or whenever I would be baffled by this one specific scenario or I'd see something on not on on the news about racism and things like that like God would always come through and help me to see things in a perspective that I've never seen before mm-hmm. but also in regards to how to treat others if that makes sense mm-hmm. so with that being said like I remember this one specific time I touched on it a little bit ago, but we were going to Charleston and I love history and things like that. So I knew like some bad historic things have happened in Charleston before and things like that. And I just remember, you know, talking to the Lord about that. And um, I was just like, maybe I should um, make a YouTube video and stand on the the ports, like where the boats are mm-hmm. and like make a video about, you know, about this and hopefully like people would see and you know turn from their wicked ways and things like that um you know and of course you know the boats and as symbolisms to like slaves being shipped back and forth and things like that but and then god showed me you know racism and slavery has been around from the beginning of time it really has i mean even far back as moses Mm -hmm. Um, and it's been an occurring thing, but each time 
it was a heart issue. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what it led down to. Mm-hmm. I mean, even whenever Jesus was here, there was racism with the Samaritans and the yeah. Jews. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's always like this place where people have this this feeling of, okay, my culture is better than your culture. Mm-hmm. Um to the point that, like, in that time, they completely avoided, like, that location. Mm-hmm. You know, they would walk so many extra miles just to avoid seeing those people. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, today, it's it's not only about racism that I think people are, um, you know, upset about but I think it's about like other diversities other body types Mm -hmm. other um other beliefs like um and I think that's why people hate Christians so much is because Christians very many Christians they judge other people's sins Mm -hmm. and they judge other people's beliefs you know so for that reason like it's it's just it's a thing about judgment and making people feel left out or not accepted mm-hmm. or not belonging but if mm-hmm. we truly operate out of Christ and we live you know with him and for him mm-hmm. um Jesus doesn't make people not feel belonged mm-hmm. or accepted Right. And things like that. He accepts us the way that we are. Yeah. And we have to do the same, mm-hmm. not only with people that are lost, that have baggage and different types of sins, or people from different cultures and diversity, mm-hmm. um, or people with different body types and shades, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and people with different scol- colors of their skins. We just have to do a sense of belonging and love others well because. At the end of the day, that's like what the whole message of is in the Bible, you know, to love other, to love God and to love others. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I love that. I think there's like lots of different ways and things that you can turn to in pain. And so that's really encouraging to just hear how you've navigated that specifically and um, the strength that you've gained from like walking with the Lord in that way. And so, yeah, I love that a lot. Thank Um, you. So you are here at TFC, um, which is um, a great place. <laughs> I think we, I can speak for both of us in saying that. Um, but it's also a predominantly white space. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about how it's been to navigate that, um, just in terms of like friendship and class dynamics or however that has played out for you? So... Being here at TFC, it's it's an amazing school. You know, the education is great. Um, I think to some degree, let me see how to say this. So for me personally, I, because like I'm at this place where I know who I am in Christ and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. It would it doesn't bother me like it did in the past, okay. if that makes sense. Yeah. Um because like the Holy Spirit has given me understanding about the heart of people. And you know, some people like they were raised in an environment 
where their grandparents or their parents are passing on down like this generational curse of racism, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. So like the grandfather says, I better never see you with the black woman, Mm -hmm. you know? And then the father goes down and he says, I better not see you with the black woman. And Mm -hmm. the next thing you know, you have that child and they're just like, well, Mm -hmm. I can be friends with you, but I can't like have a relationship with you and things like that because you know I'm trying to be respectful of my father and my grandfather Mm -hmm. you know and it's just this crazy uproar in the family like if you break this like then you'll lose this and that right and the other things so like so whenever I have an understanding of it's the fact that it's a generational thing. It's more so that I start to have compassion for people mm-hmm. that are operating out of that mm-hmm. um, because I feel bad for them because they're having to choose. Do I want to continue to have a relationship with my family or do I want to choose to live right? And that's a hard place to be in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really is. Um, but at the same time, I feel like once that person grows closer in their relationship with Jesus, I mean, this is the time whenever they're really, truly tested and tried to see if they truly want to live for Jesus, because living for Jesus means that. I mean, Jesus talks about how I'm not here to, you know, (laughs) like through me, you're going to have division Mm -hmm. just because people in your family aren't going to necessarily always agree with my way of living. And so those people are going to have to learn how to walk on that, even though it's going to be hard, Mm -hmm. you know. So going to the school, um, yes, it can be hard because there's not very many people that look like me. But I'm thankful that whenever I went through that season of moving to the South, I already experienced that, right. if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's not so much that I'm aware in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more so that I have compassion for people that are fearful to build those relationships mm-hmm. or are stuck with the stereotypes because their parents told them whenever they asked why, oh, because, you know, this particular race, they they do drugs or they do this or they do that, you right. know, things right. like that. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, no, that's great. <laughs> um... I guess just following that question, how do you seek racial reconciliation um, specifically in this spl- in this space, like on campus, um, and how, just based on conversations that we've already had, how do you plan to continue um, to seek racial reconciliation as you pursue missions and whatever is ahead of you? Oh, that's a good question. So, um... I think the biggest thing is forgiveness Mm -hmm. Um, because very many people that have a type of hatred towards a specific race, it's Mm -hmm. because that particular race, somebody in that particular race has hurt them. Mm -hmm. Um, So then that's when the stereotype begins, okay, well, this person or this particular, particular culture, like, they're, they're bad. We need to stay away from them. I'm protecting myself and my family from mm-hmm. them. So don't be with them type yeah. reaction, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like once that person that has that issue, I mean, because for me personally, like there was a season whenever I was racist towards my own color. 
because mm-hmm. like my father was the one that took my mom's life. He was the one that did that. So I didn't want anything that had to do with black men because because of the hurt. Yeah, absolutely. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But when the Holy Spirit allowed me to see that, I had to forgive my father mm-hmm. and I had and I had to ask God for forgiveness for being that way towards people from my own race. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's a bad place to be in. Mm-hmm. But for me personally, like I had to, you know, the Holy Spirit made that known to me. I had to forgive that person that hurt me, but I also had to ask God for forgiveness for being so stereotypical towards African American men. Right. Because of the way that I was raised. Yeah. You know? So, um, with that being said, if we're able to turn and forgive those people, mm-hmm. then it becomes a message of love mm-hmm. and forgiveness. And it's not so much about the color of the person's skin or their ethnicity it it's more so about who that person is so you're able to like build a relationship with them Mm -hmm. and another thing too is like I don't know I love to read books about prayer and Mm -hmm. how to like bring healing in that environment so like I read a book um last year about prayer and this lady she lives in California and she was talking about how um And her area, like, they're known for Native Americans, for the bloodshed of Native Americans there, Mm -hmm. you know. And the Holy Spirit convicted her about it Mm -hmm. from her family line. I mean, of course, she loves them, but it was, like, something way back in her family line. So she asked for forgiveness. Mm -hmm. I mean, so even if it's not us doing something wrong, we need to pray for, we need to ask God for forgiveness for Mm -hmm. The people that have, you know, bought harm on the different races or created that environment. And then we need to pray over the land Mm -hmm. and get that, you know, innocent blood, you know, or the innocent persecution. You know, we need to pray that off of our environments and things like that Mm -hmm. so that whenever um, people do come into that space, they're not like fighting these thoughts and these voices of the things. Because another thing, too, is the enemy loves to use insecurities against us, mm-hmm. you know. So if we're in an environment where, you know, it it has history of different things that don't necessarily align with what we believe in and things like that, like racism, then chances are we're going to have... Um, a mindset of whenever something goes wrong and we're already stressed out, we're tired, we're hungry, um, then we're going to start to listen to the voices of the Mm -hmm. enemy and hear, well, they don't want you here because you're black. I mean, look how they're staring at you, which that that person is probably not even staring at you. They're staring at something else, you know, and you're just listening to all these voices. And then you start to believe, well, I'm different. I don't belong here or I'm different. I'll never belong here or, you know, I'll never be accepted because of the color of my skin and things like that. Mm -hmm. But whenever we pray that off of the environment and we pray that and we forgive those people and we forgive um, the situations and things like that then it 
it almost is like an epic spiritual bomb because that mm-hmm. environment is like no longer there because now we're filling it with the love of Jesus Christ and there's no room. Um, there's no room for racism in that environment. There's no room for hatred in that environment because like it's been, it's been quenched by mm-hmm. the blood of Jesus Christ and we're praying you know, through our prayer, we're able to break those bonds and those strongholds and things Mm -hmm. like that. And I think that's the way that I see reconciliation is through forgiveness and through operating out of love and everything that we do. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, the many people underestimate the power of prayer, but the power of prayer can break strongholds. And if we, if we as a school, I feel like would gather together all different races, um, all different, you know, ethnicities, whatever. And we pray over the campus, Mm -hmm. like hand in hand. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that, that, that stronghold would, would break Mm -hmm. because I mean, I mean, our school welcomes different nationalities, you know, international Mm -hmm. students. And it's Mm -hmm. really cool. Yeah. But most of those students feel a little left out. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so in order to kind of break those bonds, and also some lost people come to this school yeah. and they have no idea, but that is, that reflects the kingdom of God mm-hmm. because they they are seeing with their eyes and they're hearing with their ears. There's unity here. There's yeah. there's a beauty in this. There's mm-hmm. There's healing in this, mm-hmm. you know? And honestly, in that circle, people can like start praying and forgiving people that have hurt them from different races, you know, Yeah. and start to be open. Mm. And I think that's the way I would seek reconciliation on this campus. Yeah, yeah. that's so good. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm so grateful that you're here and so grateful that like not only are you doing that work here and you're a part of that here, but that like you will also go on to do whatever you will do, whether that be missions or something else. And like, I just know that you're going to bless so many people in that and give people like empowerment and courage in your story and what you've been through um, and ultimately lead people to Christ in that. So I'm so (laughs) proud of you and like excited for what you're going to do. So yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you, Batty. You're yeah. so sweet. Thank you for your words of encouragement. I do want to do missions. Oh my gosh, um, thank so, yeah. you. Literally, like I feel like I'm learning so much from you today. <laughs> and like I've been so blessed and encouraged. And I think like in this conversation about ethnicity and culture and belonging and like being on this campus, it's so encouraging. Like it literally makes me want to cry just hearing you talk about like <laughs> It's so encouraging to know. I think one of the hardest things is just, like, feeling like you're alone in it and feeling like, oh, like, no one sees me or, you know, I don't belong in this space or, like, I don't know, like, who to hang out with or where I belong or whatever. Um, Right. And so, yeah, like, you just speaking to that and, like, speaking God's truth into that is so encouraging. So thank you. (laughs) Um, And I also do want to just say, like, I'm so sorry for, like, the abuse that you have, like, suffered and um, the hurt that you've had to face in your life. Like, that should have never happened, and so I'm I'm really sorry that that happened to you. Um, but I, in the same breath, I'm so grateful that, like, 
God has been with you through that and you get to sit here today and share that with me and like um that it's so encouraging yeah I mean I know it was hard and I'm thankful that honestly it happened whenever I was a child because as a child I was not aware and I thought everybody lived the same way I did Mm. but I'm thankful for my story because um if I didn't go through what I went through, I don't think that God would have been able to use me in the way that I want to be used. Yeah. Um, and I I just wanted to keep my story to myself for the longest time until mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit was just like, nope, you're going to start speaking to people yeah. and you're going to share and, you know, I'd share. And then like all these kids would accept Jesus and, yeah. um, people would come to me and ask me questions and just they they wanted what I had because of of what I went through and how I came because everybody wants to be a good person and eventually they want to you know live mm-hmm. for Jesus they have that desire in their soul even if they don't realize it yeah. you know yeah um so yeah I'm I'm thankful for it and I'm and I'm thankful for this opportunity because it is something that has been dear to my heart. And it's sad because, you know, not very many people that love Jesus get the opportunity to talk about mm-hmm. what that looks like for us mm-hmm. in the space of racism. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the same thing with like sex, like sex is not spoken enough in the church, mm-hmm. you know, and racism too. Yeah. Um. So people tend to gear or rear towards um what the world is throwing out because no one's not really you know teaching it in Mm -hmm. a loving way and making people aware in a loving way Mm -hmm. you know yeah so yeah so thank you for the opportunity and I'm glad I can encourage you anytime girl (laughs) 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 okay um I'll just conclude with this last question um because being black isn't all about pain and suffering um, but it is also about joy and richness. What is your favorite thing about being black or about your culture? So the more I learned about my culture was whenever my family started going on mission trips to Haiti. Mm-hmm. And um, I love Haitian food. I love um, all the bright colors. Yeah. Um, Haiti is like a Caribbean island, so there's bright colors everywhere. Um, I love the ocean. I mean, I don't know if you watched the movie Moana before. Yeah. But you know that song, The Sea It Calls Me. Yeah. Like, so I always feel like the sea is calling me, so I was just like, I relate with you, Moana. (laughs) And it's because I'm, I come, my family comes from an island. Yeah. So whenever I see the ocean water, I'm just like, it calls me. (laughs) Um, But, anyways, but I also like how different, um, the culture space is like it is so different. I love the driving, how different the driving is, how mm. people um, drive on whatever side of the road they want to and they honk whenever they have to turn on the other side of the road because <laughs> they can't see anything. I love um, to see women holding big buckets of water on their head yeah. like it's nothing. Yeah. I mean, I can't do that. I love the accent. I love I love so many different things about mm-hmm. Haiti and the culture. Um, but most importantly, I love um, that whenever I run into um, 
children or um, women that have endured outrageous things, Mm -hmm. you know, things like I think sometimes that I go through different harsh things, but um, I'm just enamored and amazed that like there's like this light in their eyes and Mm -hmm. like a strong voice that there's like no fear and confidence mm-hmm. of what is to come because they are children of God, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, I remember there was a season when my mom was sick, uh, something was wrong with her eyes or something like that, and um, there was a possibility that she would become blind. So I messaged my Haitian mama, Mommy Ann, and I was just like, Mommy Ann, can you pray with me for my mom? And she was just like, absolutely. And she prayed for about an hour and she's in Haiti. I'm here in the States. And she texted me and she said, your mom will be okay. Like just confidence. Mm -hmm. And like, I hope and I aspire to be that way one day Mm -hmm. um, to the extent that I can like, whenever horrible things come and whenever, you know, bad situations happen, like that light and that joy like comes from my eyeballs and and my facial expressions and that I can speak with strongness and courage and knowing Mm -hmm. that, you know, like Psalms 91, like in that situation and in that space and things like that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I love that so much. (laughs) Well, I think you're well on your way to being a woman like that. So, oh, thank you. That yeah. means a lot. <laughs> um, okay, I think that's all I have for today. But once again, just thank you so much for sharing your story and for being here today. And um, yeah, I appreciate it so much. And I know that people will grow and learn a lot from your story. So, yeah. Thank you. No problem. Wait, before you pause it, I would like to pray. Okay, yeah, of course. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for this day, and I thank you for this time with Maddie, and I thank you for whoever listens and whoever doesn't listen. Mm -hmm. God, I just pray for the hearts of the people that are hurt um, from different races and different ethnic groups, and God, I just pray for healing. I ask for your Holy Spirit to make them aware of um, the hatred and the bitterness and the unforgiveness and that you would break those strongholds through Mm -hmm. the power of forgiveness, Father. I pray that you would create a space where they're open to start speaking to those people again and causing reconciliation and things like that because we know that it is your heart and your will Mm -hmm. for those things to happen. Mm -hmm. And I love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. (laughs) You're welcome.